Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. That's how you initially have to come to Christ. You can't come any other way but humbly and dependently upon His finished work for you at the cross. The only, only way to approach Him is in that state of humility and dependency. I want you to say humility and dependency. When Jesus talks about great faith, He never talks about the force within you. That's over in the Star Wars genre. That has nothing to do uh, with the biblical truth and biblical reality. I've heard preachers talk about faith, and they're really giving glory to their faith when the glory should be given to their God. I want to make it very clear today. You don't just read the Bible and, and, and somehow a, a force of faith by the force of faith. No, it's by the power of God. Faith affects God, and it's God's power that does the work. A misnomer, a misconception, and I think it was probably a very good book, is to talk about mountain-moving faith. You know, in the context of the Bible, the Scripture said, if, if you uh, have faith in God, have faith in God. And if you have faith in God, not faith in your faith, but faith in God, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and doubt not in your heart that what you say, because you know God and you know His ability, His power, you have surrendered enough to God to have discovered His true will in the matter. And if God tells you to do something, there's a mountain in the way, there's no doubt that you can tell the mountain to move in the name of Jesus Christ. You can speak to the mountain after you have surrendered to God and put your trust in in him. You can't move any mountain. You can only move the mountain that is in the way of his will and his purpose in your particular circumstance and in your life. So I don't really believe there's anything like mountain moving faith unless faith is understood in the context of trusting God exclusively. It is not your faith that moves a mountain. The Old Testament really brings it out clear and clarifies it. Zerubbabel was given an assignment from God, and there was a mountain of opposition and a mountain of circumstance between him and achieving that purpose. And when he looked at the size of that mountain, it just overwhelmed him. And the Lord had to speak something to him to give him the faith that that mountain would move. And he told him, he said, the mountain that stands before you shall become as a plane, completely flat, <laughs> not by might nor power, everybody says, oh, what a relief it is. That sold a lot of Alka-Seltzers, didn't it? For a lot of people that ate too many burritos down at Taco Bell, <laughs> the hottest sauce on them. Amen. The mountain that stands before you shall become as a plane, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And the reason I don't doubt of the mountain that's in the way of His will in my life is going to have to move to where I could speak to that mountain and not doubt that what I say is going to come to pass is because of what He has already said. Can you say, man, what He has said to my heart, what He has said in His Word, I can stand on that, praise God. But it's not my power intrinsic to me, it's His power. Have faith in 
God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we want to we want to make sure we stay in the position and posture that we'll always be in if we're going to qualify for his strength today. So we're going to talk about what our radio broadcast is about. All sufficient in Christ sufficiency. All sufficient in Christ sufficiency. And I want to read two scriptures real quickly in that area and then talk about three pillars of strength that are essential to achieving this. And without them, no one can come to this place. You can't get full enough of the Holy Spirit. You can't get uh, astute enough in the Word of God. Uh, None of these other things without these three pillars of strength uh, to strengthen you that is essential to your faith and to overcoming is going to help you. By the way, everybody in here is going to experience weakness. No one is going to stand on top of the mountain in perfect strength, particularly in these days. These are the last of the last days. The Bible is very clear. In the last days, perilous times will come. And my wife and I were talking about having to take our focus off of the news and all the things that's going on in the world in order to focus on the Lord and receive the strength that we need to deal with what's going on around us. It's so upsetting. It's so heart-rending. It's so heartbreaking. It's so emotionally impacting what is happening in our world and our nation right now. And it's not just nationally, but it's globally And then it comes full circle. It is personally. The pressure is on. In fact, the Bible said a sign of the last of the last days. Men's hearts would fail them for fear and for looking at the things which are coming. These are not unfounded fears or phobias. This is reality today. More depression because of oppression. And because of the circumstances surrounding the last days, perilous times, dangerous, outrageous could be used for that word perilous. And for men shall be lovers of their own self. And then the litany of all of the sin that would be prevalent and mark mankind in the last days. As the darkness gets darker, the Bible said that evil men and seducers will, will, will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the only thing the world has to look forward to is more darkness, more trouble, more chaotic crisis globally. Iran, we know the story, they're, they're headed toward nuclear uh, weapons and inter-ballistic, intercontinental ballistic missiles. That means they could hit us from Iran. If they can, they've, they've committed to the destruction of Israel and they're chanting death to America. And without God intervening for Israel and for us. We don't have some kind of, we, we don't have a Star Wars shield. Scotty can't put the shields up. Our shield is the shield of faith. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And the God who isn't done with this nation and isn't done with us. But without the shield, the wall of righteousness, the hedge that he puts up, our enemies can prevail over us. And the way Israel was punished for their sin and their drifting away from God was God allowed their enemies to overcome them and to harm them. But if they hadn't drifted away from God and kept their faith in God, their enemies would have never been able to touch them. 
And when it gets to that flashpoint where judgment is, is sure to come, God steps in, amen, and looks for a man. He looks for a man, an intercessor. Everybody say an intercessor. He said, and I look for a man among them. I looked for a man among them. When the sin was great and I had to do something about it, I couldn't let it continue. I looked for a man among them who would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Everybody say hedge. Now don't think about agriculture. Don't think about horticulture. Don't think about a, a, a beautiful hedge trimmed perfectly around a home. This word hedge in the Hebrew would connotate a wall of righteousness. It is a protective barrier that God puts up. I'm going to tell you something about ancient Israel. When they were right with God, you better not mess with them. Can you say amen? Have you ever seen the bumper sticker, Don't Mess With Texas? You haven't. Well, we're not Texans, so we don't see that here in Florida. Well, don't mess with the alligator. Don't mess with, don't mess with the, don't mess with the shark. Can you say, man? Don't mess with God's people when they're right with Him, because you can't win, because God Himself is defending them. God Himself is protecting them. One of you, when you're right with God, nationally, shall chase a thousand. Two of you shall put 10,000 to flight. When you're right with God, they shall come out against you one way. But they shall flee from you seven ways. Complete disarray and defeat. Amen. But when you're wrong with God, that wall comes down. And when that wall comes down, then, then our enemies can harm us. Our enemies can hurt us. And we've enjoyed a wall of righteousness around this nation. Since its inception. But 9-11 began to prove something. Actually before 9-11. When we quit winning our wars. When I watched. When I watched us dumping helicopters. When we left Vietnam. We left 60,000 dead young men. 60,000. This is my generation. The Vietnam generation. We left 60,000. Thank God you didn't stay you were not one of those 60,000 we left 150,000 wounded and when I watched the helicopters being dumped into the sea and us leaving without achieving what we were there to achieve the stop of communism the spread of it to nation after nation when I saw that I I said to myself the wall isn't holding like it used to because America is not used to conceding defeat to some other nation. And come right in and put your feet right up. We were told you needed to do that. And we welcome you to do that. And we're headed for prayer in just a little while. A wall of righteousness came down. 9-11, a wall was penetrated. That couldn't be before. That tells me something about our national condition and our need for His grace, His mercy, His restoration. We haven't gone too far for that wall to be re-erected, for a mighty revival to come. We haven't gone too far. Thank God. Hallelujah. So God says, when I get to the point that I have to do something, He said, I'll look for a man. I know that if, if I don't find what I'm looking for, I'm going to be obligated to let that wall be penetrated. So I looked for a man among them that would stand in the gap 
and make up the hedge. Do you know at one point, God was so frustrated with his own covenant people that he said, you know, best thing I can do with these people is just wipe them on out. He didn't want to do that. He was looking for a man. It wasn't his heart to do that. It was his holiness demanding that something be done. So what did he do? He looked for a man. He looked for a man. You know who he found? He found Moses, who stood between him and the people and said, Lord, you can't do it. That's what God wanted. He didn't, want to, he didn't want to send judgment. He wanted to show mercy, and he wanted to bring them through in spite of themselves because of his love. It's a love covenant, by the way. It's not a legal thing that he did. It's a love thing that he did. Isn't it wonderful that it was a love thing instead of a legal thing? Praise God. He said, he said, I have because he said, I haven't loved you because you're greater in number than anybody else. Israel was, you know, why did why in the world did he choose Israel to come into covenant with in the first place? To demonstrate the strength of his covenant and the power of his love. Because it's easy to love the lovable. Isn't it isn't it easy? I mean Santa Claus. Who don't like Santa Claus, right? I mean, he's got the jelly belly, and some of us got jelly belly, but we ain't love like Santa Claus. Amen. He's lovable. He's lovable. We love lovable people. God loves the unlovable. To show the, the power of his love, the strength of his love, the power of his grace. So Moses says, if you do that, if... His holiness demands judgment and chastisement, but his heart is wanting to show mercy. But he said, there's got to be somebody. And it shows me something that is spiritually important. It shows me that God and man work in tandem for his will to be done. And that's why in the Lord's pattern prayer, he said, I want you to pray like this. Thy will be... Listen, if he's sovereign and going to do anything he wants to, why should I have to pray for it to be done? It's going to happen whether I pray, whether I don't, whether I believe, whether I don't. He said, I, you pray. You pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If you want to see the kingdom. Listen, when people were being healed all over the place, what did Jesus say? What did he say? He said, this is not the norm down here in this fallen world. We have faulty bodies. We live in a fallen world. But when, the, when people are being supernaturally healed, what did he say? He said, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Can you say, man? Someone was not just praying that God heal people, but thy kingdom come. Can you say, man? Because kingdom... It's not a mystical thing. It's not a vague thing in Scripture. It's, it's a clear thing. Kingdom, in the Greek and, and in any other term, in any other language, means the rule or a domain of a king. It's where a king rules in undisputed authority. And it's called his kingdom. And when we call upon God that his kingdom would come, and not what the enemy is doing, but what God wants to do is manifest in the earth, thy will be done. In earth, as it is in heaven. In this earth and in this world, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And when people began to be miraculously healed, what did the Scripture say? The kingdom of God 
This is what God wants. And if you want to know how kingdoms come in conflict and who wins the conflict, the Bible said in Acts chapter 10, it said how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good The kingdom of God is coming. When the king came, can you say amen? Hallelujah. Doing good and healing how many? All who were oppressed of the devil. He was turning it around. Jesus never went to a funeral that he didn't raise the dead. Isn't that incredible? What a a world we live in. What a need we have for his kingdom to come. And his will to be done. And when we know his will... Through His Word and by His Holy Spirit. And there's a mountain of opposition between what He wills for His kingdom to come. For Him to back it up. Then we're able to speak it out. The mountain that stands before you shall become as a plain. Not by might, nor by power Zerubbabel, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And if you say to this mountain, your mountain, my mountain, Be thou removed, cast into the midst of the sea, and doubt not in your heart that what you say is going to come to pass. Let me rightfully divide that to you. It's not the power of your words. It's the power of His Word that you have surrendered to, that you have put your trust in, that you have the heart to obey. If God gives me a word on something, I am authorized and responsible to talk to the mountain, not just talk to God about the mountain. Now, we all are good at talking to God about the mountain. Sometimes we complain about the mountain. Sometimes we, we accuse God of being unfaithful by not moving the mountain. He said, when you know my will, you don't talk to me about the mountain anymore. You talk to the mountain. Can you say amen? You talk to the mountain. You talk to the mountain. Hold fast your profession of faith without wavering. Because He is faith. It's all about Him. Faith's focus is always God. It's not the power of your words. It's the power of His words. But here's one thing that is biblically substantiated that we cannot deny. His word in your mouth. His word in your mouth. Not your word. His word in your mouth is no less authoritative than His word in His mouth. Hath He not said it? And will He not do it? See, I love when we have on record what He has said. Because if we have on record what He said, we know what we can expect Him to do when we speak to the mountain in His name. Can you say amen? By the way, you can't use His name unless you're authorized to use His name. There were seven, seven brothers decided they were out of work and times were hard. They decided we're going to go in the uh, casting out of devil business. We're, we're, we're going to, the seven sons of Sceva decided we're going to cast out evil spirits. We're going to make a lot of money because, boy, look at everywhere you turn the wickedness and the sin. We're, we, we're, going, to, we're, going, to, we're going to rack up casting out demons. They had seen Jesus do it. They had seen the apostles do it. And they decided to go in the uh, demon casting out business. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, decided we're going to do it. They wrote down. They got their notepad and wrote down the formula. They had the right formula. 
They just wasn't authorized by Jesus to do it. But they had the right formula. Can you say amen? Don't even know if they were saved or not. But they're going to go out here and encounter that spirit world. Seven sons of Sceva. So they, they seen Paul do it. They heard Jesus seen him do it. And they said, we can do that. It was so simple for Jesus. I mean, they were amazed at how simple it was for Jesus. Jesus went out and, and, and came upon the demoniac of the Gadarenes that had a thousand demons within him, legion, for we are many, or at least a hundred, possibly a thousand. And, and they recognized him immediately, recognized his authority. And they said, we know who you are. We know, why comest thou to persecute us before our time? They knew he's going to win this thing. Hell is well aware. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it said, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for Satan hath come down unto you having great wrath. Because he knows what we're kind of forgetting in many church circles today. He knows he has but a short time. His time is limited. And he's well aware of it. And what he does, he's going to have to do it because he's headed for the lake of fire forever. And he knows who's going to win because the fight already occurred between him and God in heaven. And Jesus said, marvel not to those he anointed to cast out devils. He said, don't marvel that demons are subject to you. He said, they, they are fallen angels. They have been stripped of their authority. Amen. Hallelujah. I beheld Satan as lightning. Fall from heaven. How many recognize this thing? Are you young and old enough to recognize before Sanjay and Craig? Yeah, that's Looney, Looney Tunes. That's cartoon day. I used to hear that on Saturday morning. I couldn't get my son. I had to drag both my sons. They, it's not that they hated school. They loved sleep. Amen. And when you love sleep, you don't want to get up to go to school. So I would shake them. They wouldn't move. I mean, I, you know, shake, shake, shake. They don't move. I would uncover them. They wouldn't move. And I would get them by the feet and start dragging them to where they were going to drop right off the bed onto the carpet to get them up. And, and five days a week we went through this stuff until Saturday morning. Saturday morning. When I can sleep in. When they can sleep in. When there is no school. Guess what I heard? At, at Really, b back in the day, there wasn't a cartoon channel before cable. There was cartoons that came on at a particular time. They started early in the morning. And so I'm laying in bed. And I know they're going to sleep in. I'm going to sleep in now here. And I get up all bleary-eyed and said, turn it down. What is wrong with you? Why are you up so early? And they're looking at me clear-eyed, energized and enthusiastic, saying, but Dad, it's cartoon day. And the same thing happens to Terry when he goes fishing. He just don't have the theme song to that. And he sets the clock for 5 in the morning. He wakes up at 4. <laughs> Six o'clock, okay. You, no, you just wake up. You're gonna because you're gonna do that. In the cartoons, there's always a cartoon where the devil is sitting on one shoulder, angel sitting on the other. We caught right in the middle. Theologically, part of that may be correct because 
God's going to lead us one way. The devil's going to pull us the other way. And you have this thing going on. You know, the angel saying, don't do it. And the devil saying, do it, do it. And then after a while, the angel and the devil get in a tug of war to see which one of them is going to sway the person, which one of them is going to win. Let me tell you something about that. That's a cartoon. In reality, there is no contest. There's, oh, no, there's not this big tug of war between light and darkness. The light is shined in the darkness. The darkness comprehendeth it not. Amen. There's no tug of war. Jesus said, demon subject you through my name. Let me tell you something. I beheld, I was there when the fight occurred. It wasn't much of a fight. It was kind of like Mike Tyson fights. Amen. When he was in his prime. Don't go to the concession stand. Do not go to the bathroom. Amen. Because time you get back, the fight's going to be over and the man's going to be on his back. He was knocking people out in the first five minutes of the fight. There was no contest when he was in his prime. Listen, between God and Satan, there is no contest. He lost it in heaven and his time is limited upon the earth. And he knows better than most of the church world knows, amen, that his time is limited. And when Christ comes, he's not going to deal with the devil at all. Amen. The book of Revelation says an angel, one ain't not, no, this... This devil that's brought, oh, he has persuasive power over you and me, but he doesn't have authority over you and authority over me. And Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. The king had come and the kingdom with him. Can you say amen? And he said, when I have my way, when my will is done on earth like it is in heaven, what he's doing, amen, is going to be confronted and what he's doing is going to be defeated. And he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I'm glad I serve that Jesus today. I'm glad I serve that God today. I'm glad I understand that in the name of Jesus, in his authority, these things can occur. In my name, you shall cast out devils. Do we have that authority? In my name. He said, I'm giving you this authority. All authority is given me in heaven and in earth. And behold, I give you power. And that's power not not just in the Holy Ghost within us, but in the authority. Amen. To use His name. In my name, you will cast out devils. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. I love the way God talks. I'm old school. And it's not just because I'm getting old. And I've been around for a while. I'm old school because I don't believe there's a new school. I believe the Word of God is for today. I believe Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and He will be forever. I believe the church world has changed. Ministers have certainly changed. But I believe that the Word of God abides forever. 
And I love the way God speaks in His Word. How can we, how can, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Why? Because God doesn't mince words. He doesn't apologize for anything that He says. Holy men spoke, wrote when they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. And what He has given us is so strong, it has took every hit from the day it was written to this day in the 21st century. And it is still... You may not know this, but it's still the best-selling book in all of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's the book that gives us hope. It gives us understanding of the God of glory and the salvation plan and the Savior that went to the cross and the Holy Spirit that came to show us all that is, that is in His truth. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And He watches over His Word to do what? Be vague and confuse us? No, He watches over His Word to perform it. Heaven shall pass away. Earth will pass away. We are all passing away. But He said, My Word will abide forever and forever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. The reason faith comes is, number one, the Word of God reveals a person, not just a promise. You don't go to the promise from the Bible. Because there's all kinds of promises in the Bible. One of the promises is, and you won't find it in the promise box. You know, because we used to have one. It's really nice. It looked like a loaf of bread. and It had, had index cards in it. And, you know, it said, you know, it had all these wonderful promises. And every one of them were positive. But it didn't have that other promise. In this world you shall have tribulation. That's a promise. Can you say, man? Everybody say this world. world. Tell you something about this world. It's a fallen world. That's why all the hurt and the pain, all the sickness and all all the brokenness is represented in this world. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Greek word is thelpsis. And it means anguish and pressure. Constant something is going to happen. And it's going to keep on happening. We're in a fallen world. We're in a faulty body. Another reason it's going to keep happening. Every, every one of the, the, though the outward man perish, faulty body. That's why we age. That's why little children are sick. That's, it's all because of a fallen world and a faulty body. But Jesus came to this fallen world to show us a kingdom that he said is not of this world. Can you say? When I was eight going on nine, and you know my testimony, I was diagnosed with leukemia. They were treating me before the diagnosis of leukemia. They were treating me for anemia. And they were treating me for liver problems because I became weak and I became jaundiced. So they were treating me for liver problems and they were treating me for for leukemia. My dad and mom took me to the Tampa Revival Center. It was a church downtown Tampa. And the way that church evolved was uh, an evangelist came to a church and began to preach. People began to get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. So people began to come because, folks, we live in a fallen world. We live in faulty bodies. We need the promises of God and provisions of God. 
to be made real to us. And so they couldn't hold them. They couldn't hold them. So they had to get a building. And the church that was just a local church became something that was open to everyone. And some people that in latter years came to our ministry. We're in our 40, going on our 42nd year of ministering in this city. Some of those very people that attended that church and said they were there the night that I was prayed for, Brother and Sister Hodges, with the Lord now. They saw the miracles occur. And I was just one of those miracles. My mama took me forward and, and, and my daddy and to church and took me forward for prayer. And my mother went to tell the evangelist what the problem was, uh, to tell him about leukemia. And uh, the Lord dropped a word of knowledge in his heart. I don't know how far he went in Bible college or, or how intellectually astute he was, but I knew that he got a word from the Lord because before she could tell him what was wrong with me, he just laid hands on my head and said, I rebuke the cancer in this boy's blood in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, my mother, she, she didn't know what happened. She's hoping for the best. But the next day, the next day, instead of laying on the couch half of the day, going to school, coming home, and laying down for the rest of the day. I had a dog that missed me so bad. He was a wiener dog. His name was Poncho. And Poncho loved to play. I mean, he would chase his own tail just to have fun. You know, one of those kind of high-energy dogs. And I couldn't play with him. And I had no idea the gravity of my situation. The only thing I heard the doctor say, that I did hear them whispering, and I, I did hear the doctor say, tell my mom and my daddy, when he gets in the last stages, we can get him, we had no insurance, we can get him admitted to the county hospital. Uh, in other words, that's where they can give him morphine, whatever he needs, and you know, he can pass without any, hopefully, discomfort. But they took me for prayer, and he, we, the next day, the very next day, <laughs> hallelujah, amen, I got home from school, and I felt energized. And I went out and I spent an hour chasing a dog and then he would chase me and then I would chase him and he would chase me. And we went round and round and round and my mama grabbed me and stopped me. She was concerned about me. She says, Bobby, she says, she says, don't you know that you need to rest now? You're going to overdo it. And she told me, I don't remember this, but she told me, said, I looked up at her and said, Bobby, Jesus healed me last night. And here I am going on 70 years of age. But let me tell you something. I'm pursuing. You know what I'm pursuing? That childlike simplicity of faith. That just said, Jesus said it. See, normally people say, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. No, no, no. Let's get it right. Biblically. If God said it, that settles it. Can you say amen? Scripture says forever. We sung the song forever. Forever thy word is what? Settled in heaven. And what do we do? We pray in the pattern prayer. Lord, that kingdom that you rule in complete unopposed authority, your kingdom come. Your will be done right down here in this fallen world, just like it is in heaven. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And when he laid hands on me, God's kingdom came in that place. And the king himself healed me and raised me up. And my mother said I was so ashamed 
because she saw my faith. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. It, a child's faith is not so big and so great because it wasn't based on a clear understanding. But I want you to know what kicked in. It's his faithfulness. He watches over his word to perform it. Hath he not said it and shall he not do it? Can you say amen? And that's why I'm standing here today. You are a, a testimony to what God can do. Amen. Because in the initial diagnosis, and you, can you say something about that real quick? What God did for you? He healed you. Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's not a, but, but he healed you from what? Exactly. But he healed you from what? Tongue cancer. And they, at, initially, they were pretty grim and, and they didn't have much, to, you know, it was all bad. But when the Lord stepped in, because of his grace, his mercy, and faithfulness. See, the thing I want to bring today, people think great faith. It, it requires great faith. And I just don't have that kind of faith. Listen, when Jesus talked about that mountain moving, he said, have faith in God. And if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. See, I thought the bigger the mountain, the more faith it was going to require. But see, if your faith is in God, it's not about how big your faith is. It's about how big He is. It's not about your ability to believe as much as it is His commitment to His own Word and His own promises to you. So if you had faith as a grain of... Well, then it can't be something huge and ginormous, can it? Because a grain of mustard seed has to be placed in a concave lens. If you've got one around your neck, anybody in here that, that buys one of those, they got it in a little round concave lens to magnify it because you can't hardly see it with the naked eye. So the faith has to be in God. It can't just be a force that has to be as big as a mountain. I heard a, I heard a preacher that is a missionary to Africa, and he is fourth-generation German-Dutch descent. And he said, I read one time where a mountain and a mustard seed got into a fight. And he said, and like sumo wrestlers, they met in the singer center of the ring. And he said, and the mustard seed moved the mountain and won the match. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Do you know what Jesus said? If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and you say to this mountain, and doubt not in your heart that, it sh that you shall have what you say, you shall have it. Now that's not a blank check to do what you want. It is, amen, an authorization to do what He wills. How many has ever worked before the checks went into the bank electronically? How many ever got an actual check for payday? How many know that as far as the company is concerned, whoever is the signer of that check to authorize you to cash it, how many know it's already been signed by the company? Or your signature means nothing. But how many knows if you don't sign it, you can't cash it? Amen? But how many knows when you sign it, then whatever they have purposed and promised to give you, it's yours. You've got to sign it. You've got to sign it. 
you got to sign it. It's a two-party check. And the Word of God is the same thing. When you believe the Word of God, it's just like if, if He has promised it. The promises of God are what? Yea and amen. amen. To them that what? Believe. And it don't take a lot. I like that song. It don't take a lot. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. It don't take a lot, but you've got to use every bit you got. Can you say, man, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Can faith grow? Yes, but as it grows, it grows in the context of humble dependency. You never become this great super person. Amen. You stay where you are. And out of weakness, the Bible said through faith, out of weakness, 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 they were made strong through faith. Waxed valiant in fight and put the armies of the aliens to flight. They didn't start out strong. I came out from a funeral when I was going through nervous exhaustion. I know the God of the valleys. I know when my faith wavers, His faithfulness does not. And I know that He's merciful and He's good. And He responds to the cry of His people. And I know the throne that we have to keep approaching to receive from Him will never change. It's not a throne of merit. It's not a throne when you can show Him your greatness or the greatness of your faith. It's a throne where you have to come just like you came initially. Just as I am. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. We don't have a high priest that can't be personally touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. The first thing you get is not healing or help. You get mercy and you get grace. And that qualifies you before a holy God with all of your faults and your failures. Listen, when you're praying for somebody, what's God willing to do right in that self-same moment to make sure there's nothing to disqualify? Amen. If there be any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. James five fourteen. Hallelujah. For the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And every day that I live and breathe, I'm an example. Hallelujah. Well, Brother Venable, you you, you've never been sick since, so you don't understand. Listen, I'm getting ready to celebrate three years from a, a real bad stroke. <laughs> three days, God raised me up without any symptoms, without any uh, rehabilitation. Uh, I'm not under treatment because they don't know yet why it happened. They just know it happened. Amen. But God did something. The nurse said uh, to me, I deal with this all the time, a stroke on your level, and said, you're not supposed to be out of bed. You're not supposed to be walking. You're not supposed to be talking. But I was. And one of the things they did, they didn't even bring the wheelchair. Now, they're going to roll you out in a wheelchair if you got muscles like Schwarzenegger. Can you say amen? Or what he used to have anyway. Amen. He's getting like me. He's a used to was. A used to was is one step down from a has been. Amen. Listen, if you're going to come to God for anything and you think that you have earned the right, you're not coming to the throne of grace. If you disqualify anyone because you don't think they're worthy, you don't understand the throne of grace. 
And one day you're going to have a need. And when you come, when you come, when you come, come in faith in His finished work at the cross with His stripes. Can you say, man, this has been provided for you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. They shall anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. (laughs) And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And he shall raise them up. See, I love the way God talks because he doesn't mince word. He does listen, he doesn't apologize. He doesn't explain away. There's such a vacuum for spiritual manifestation and power in the church of Jesus Christ today that preachers spend most of their time explaining away what God plainly said. You don't have to amen it. It's true whether you amen it or whether you don't, you know it. Faith can't come that way. It comes when God speaks clearly and we take Him at His Word. Hallelujah. 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 But here's the wonderful part of that. And if they have committed any sin, He said if sin is a barrier, we can take care of both things at one time. Hallelujah. All of you that are still trying to earn and to put that same trip on somebody else, you need to go back to the Bible. You need to go back to the book. School's in. Can you say amen? And you need to go back to class because you clearly have not graduated. If you can't obtain mercy and grace to help, nothing can flow from God to you. But once you obtain mercy... And once grace flows from His throne, hallelujah, God can grant to you what you do not deserve, could never deserve, could never earn or merit. And that is not a license to sin, but it's a way out because He said if there is any sin, right in that self-same moment, we can get that taken care of so that I can give you the help that my heart wants to give you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if there's sin, let's confess it. And if there's a promise, let's possess it. I don't think you heard me. It's a cute little saying, but it's true, isn't it, Brother Taylor? If there's a sin, let's confess it. And if there's a promise, let's go up to the high places. Hallelujah. And tear the devil's kingdom down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As our time is fleeting and we're moving to the praying part of this service. Let the weak say I'm strong. How can that possibly be? The Apostle Paul said when I'm weak then am I made strong. 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament are attributed to him. Some would would debate Hebrews. I really still feel Paul was... The author of that. Almost half of the epistles were attributed to Paul. And one thing he said of himself, he didn't write a book. I'm not saying books are wrong, but I'm saying Paul was careful not to touch the glory, not to take the credit. He said, I knew a man. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know how God did it, but he transported me from this earth into his heaven and I saw unutterable things now if you buy a book about it you'll have all kinds of detail if you buy another book from somebody else they will conflict with one another I like to pick up God's book because there's no error in it and no room for that because holy men wrote and God preserved it for us thank God we've got the book intact today hallelujah 
But first is the person. Before you bypass the person, when you hear faith comes by hearing, I think of reading a promise, standing on the promise, instead of getting to know the person initially. You can, listen, if you promise me something, it's only as good as the person who made it. So your faith can't just be in a promise. If I met a stranger outside and run up to the door of the church and said, Preacher, God just spoke to me to buy you a brand new vehicle. I would really want to believe that. I mean, how many like new... Would you, are you that spiritual that it, you wouldn't... <laughs> would you go after a new... If someone wanted to give you a new... You don't have so many at home like Jay Leno that you, you, know, you couldn't use another new one. Meet me at the Cadillac dealership. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Now, I don't want to be foolish. If I don't know that person, if I don't know them, I'm not going to be standing at the Cadillac dealership at 10 o'clock being made a fool of. And people say, what, what, what do you want? Well, somebody come here and go buy me a new car. Huh? Well, who are they? I really don't know. But they said they'd be here, so I'm here. Well, how long are you going to stand there? I, I don't know. I, I was hoping they'd show up. Hope. Hope is future. Faith is here. Faith is now. But I know Brother Taylor. And I know that he's not a wealthy man. He's rich in Christ, but he's not a wealthy man. But I know he's a man of his word. And if he said, Pastor Venable, it's between me and you because I don't want people borrowing. Especially my family. Can you say... <laughs> That's church family too, can you say? <laughs> but I was just, somehow or another, a windfall has come to me. And I was just awarded $100,000. And God spoke to me to buy you a car. Now, not that I'm out for a car. I'm just saying. God spoke to me. want you to have, I'm going to meet you at the Cadillac dealership tomorrow. At 10 a.m., I will not have to set an alarm. I'm sure I'm going to be up, <laughs> dressed. I don't know where the Cadillac dealership is. I don't go to the Cadillac dealership, but that's where I would be headed on Monday morning. Because I know he has the wherewithal. He's divulged that to me. And I know he's purposed it for me. And he's, and he's revealed his purpose by promise to me. And I'm going to be there to obtain that promise. Because he's a man of his word. This is God's word. And through faith, through faith, the Bible said they obtained promises in Hebrews 11. Through faith, they obtained promises. And out of weakness, that goes to show obtaining a promise doesn't require strength on your far, but part, but faith in his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Out of weakness, after they obtained, begin to obtain promises, out of weakness, they became strong. Hallelujah. Out of weakness, they became strong. Hallelujah. Waxed valiant in fight and put the army of aliens to flight. And where did it all begin? 
when I am weak and put my trust exclusively in Him, then am I made strong. Hallelujah. We're going to pray today in a moment, but we're going to worship before we pray. And there's a special need right here, and we're told about that need. This is not a word of knowledge, but we want to pray for you today like we prayed for, for our sister and like they prayed for me a long time ago. You say, Brother Vinwood, you're God's child. You're close to Him. Honey, I go to the throne of grace Amen. to obtain mercy to obtain mercy, to obtain mercy. There was a photographer in a certain town. My cousin worked for Olin Mills for years. He, there was a, a lady that lived in this town. She wouldn't come in to have her portrait. She asked if a f photographer could come to her home. And she was very, very homely and unattractive. One reason she didn't like to go out into public. But here comes a professional photographer. And this is before they could touch up, you know, touch up the picture. So a professional photographer came to her home. And he took pictures from every angle that he could to, to find the best, to portray her in the best possible light. But she just wasn't pretty. I never used the word ugly except on certain occasions. Can you say amen? But this... Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. And he took all these different pictures at great cost of all the film that he was using in those days, before digital stuff. And he brought the portfolio a week later and opened it up and showed her a hundred different pictures and asked her to pick out the one she wanted. And she looked for an hour and a half through all of them. And she was trying to see herself, you know, prettier than she was. And it just wasn't there. And so she said, to tell you the honest truth, I don't want to buy any of them. Well, he's invested time and money and he wasn't very gracious. And she said to him the last thing, he said, may I ask why? She said, because none of these pictures do me justice. He said, ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. And you say, man, let me tell you something about everybody in here. Everybody, beginning with me, without exception, thank God His mercy is new every morning. In Lamentations chapter 3, he said, when I think about the wormwood and the gall of seeing Israel under the chastisement, the corrective judgments of God, he said, my soul is humbled within me. The Hebrew word is crushed, just crushed within him. He said, but this I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. And then after that, it says, great is thy faithfulness in a particular way to show mercy. Oh, God is a merciful God. And when we come to the throne of grace, the first thing, so that grace can flow, what comes first, grace or mercy? Mercy. Mercy. Mercy allows unmerited favor to flow. Mercy means you deserve judgment, but you're not going to get it because of my mercy. And grace says you don't deserve what you need, but you're going to get it because of God's unmerited favor. And He favors you because He's shown mercy for Jesus' sake. He has forgiven our sin. Can you say, man? 
and at the throne of grace we can obtain mercy and then grace to help in the time of any need hallelujah and whatever your need is today whatever my need is today if i will humble myself and come before god if there's any sin that i confess it before him Hallelujah. It opens the door. It clears the way. For he has provided with his stripes the healing of our spirit, soul, and body. God is so good today. Isn't he a gracious God today? Have you got anything out of this teaching and preaching today? Let's have this song before we pray today. And we're going to come to you. You don't have to walk around. We're going to, and where you are, we're going to pray right where you are in just a moment. But let's praise him today.